Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, you see it on TV all the time, free trial offer. What happens with those free trial offers? I have a new development for you that will protect you in certain cases from the ripoffs of the free trial offer. And coming up yet later, what do kids know about personal finance? Not very much. There are initiatives to get kids Clark smart about their money before they're out there on their own. So I want to talk about something that I first talked about four years ago. Electronic driver's licenses. This is something that sends a chill down the spine of some people and a big smile on the face of others. Because you think about what a hassle it is to have to go deal with the driver's license people. What happens if your driver's license is stolen? What happens if you lose it? It's all hassle, 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 hassle. Plus, police officer stopping you or state trooper stopping you doesn't know. Is it a counterfeit license? Is it really your license? How are they going to know? So now, in more and more states, digital driver's licenses are starting to appear, and this follows on the heels of digital insurance cards. You may remember when you used to have to carry a paper insurance card in the glove box of your vehicle. Today, in almost every state, the only exception I know of is New Mexico, your insurance status on your vehicle is all electronic, real time. And when you're stopped by the police for going too fast or whatever, and or you're in an accident and they want to verify your insurance, they can do that instantly. And so that's the same idea about what's going to come to the driver's license that you carry. And now about 15 states are have already either implemented or in the process of implementing electronic driver's licenses. And so with an electronic license, it will eliminate the issue of counterfeiting. Your license will present on your phone. And if you're worried about security, let me tell you, everybody's freaked out about that part of it. And so in, depending on how each state implements, it will either be validated by your fingerprint or some other biometrics that it really is you, it is your license, and it is a valid license. And this is something that increasingly makes people uncomfortable because of the issue of government having so much information about us. And one of the things that's happened in various states that have gone to the process of piloting the electronic driver's license is the laws in the states prohibit the police from looking at anything else on your phone 
other than your electronic driver's license. Because there's going to be mass public pushback if it's not restricted and cordoned off in such a way. Just want you to know this is something that is coming because of how uh, common the smartphone is. That What is it, 95% of people carry smartphones? It's some number like that. And so part of the whole thing is we move into the completion of the adoption of the smartphone is that so many different functions in our lives are going to be electronic, including our licenses. Dante is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Dante. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. This is an honor to finally talk to you. Longtime listener, over a decade listening to all your advice for us. Well, that's fantastic. What's the best advice you've ever heard from me, and what's the worst advice you've ever heard from me? (laughs) Nothing really comes to mind with the worst, really. I mean, even all the ones that callers call in about as their worst, there's always something of a silver lining that we learn from it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, well, you're too kind. Yeah. Um, I'm calling because I haven't really seen much Uh, maybe reviews or feedback regarding the green light for kids debit cards what are your thoughts around that and maybe alternatives to it so people have been very curious about the green light product because it is a spending card for teenagers uh, really people 13 to 17 years old and you as a parent control where the card can be used how much can be spent store by store. So you can set a limit at one place different than it would be at another. You can instantly monitor what your kid's doing with his or her money. And the thing that's a real twist is you can set up a parent savings account where you establish if, let's say, your child's working and he or she, instead of spending some of their money, saves it. You as a parent can pay interest on the account, on the savings account, where you establish what the interest rate will be. Okay. So, so often any product that the banks ever come out with for teenagers, they're all about trying to hook the teenagers on plastic and trying to get them into spending as much money as they can. Right. So what's Well, I just different. remember growing up, even now, my kids are, are wondering how this could happen. But the flip side of all of this is I would get a, when I was in high school, I would get a weekly allowance. And my kids, by the way, they're twins, one boy, one girl. They get a weekly allowance. We call them a, a commission. Well, what we like about paying in cash is that it teaches them a lot. When they go to the store and purchase something in cash, they have something tangible. Where my reluctance of going into plastic is, it's almost an automatic thing for them where they don't really watch closely. So I'm having to modify, my wife and I are having to modify our parenting skills when it comes to closely watching what they use whenever they swipe as opposed to paying in cash and they get change back and they watch how much they have in their little piggy bank and so forth. And you You identify something that is a terrible problem for teens, but by the way, this is also an awful problem for adults. And yeah. whenever I work with adults that 
or having a spending problem, I put them on a cash allowance and right. have them use cash only. And the yeah. reason is, is that there's really no way to teach finiteness psychologically, forget practically, but psychologically with plastic because you don't get any sense of the of plastic diminishing but with cash you absolutely see your cash hoard shrink and so it's like uh instant shock therapy for your wallet yep so the the thing with green light is they are approaching a very real problem and that is how do you get any financial discipline into a teenager's head when they think of plastic as being money and it never feels like you're ever at the bottom of the well. That's true. Now, the thing so, with Greenlight, you have to pay a fee. I think it's $60 a year. Right. I saw online it was like four ninety nine a month per family or something like that. Yeah, so 60 bucks. That uh, that's a lot of money for what it does but if it if it gives the ability if you find that it that it does create the discipline in your twins that you're looking for then i'd say 60 is cheap that's true even though it seems expensive to me (laughs) yeah they can each get 30 dollars they can each get 30 dollars in savings for what you're paying in a year for the annual fee for it but they are going to have to deal with plastic through their whole adult life. That's and, right. and for that reason, you could look at it as almost like a tuition fee having the $60 charge. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jim. You want to talk about hearing? Yes, I do. I'd like to find out from you uh, what your take is on the, uh, the approach of hearing aids. From my research, I see they're all over the map from price-wise to technologies and wondered if you ever uh, had looked into that. Yes. Now, uh, the market is going through a change right now, and the cost of hearing aids in the United States is going to gradually get cheaper and move more towards world prices. Our prices are generally around five or six times what they are in other developed countries. Wow. And so the price fixing on hearing aids is going to gradually cease. We also have in the United States something called PSAPs, which uh, PSAP stands for Personal Sound Amplification Product, I think. Wow. And so PSAPs are not true FDA-approved hearing aids, And people can buy them direct without going through a medical evaluation. Also means that if you have a medical problem causing hearing loss that could be reversed, you're going to miss that just buying a PSAP. But PSAPs tend to cost $200 to $400 an ear. Now, there is a compromise between traditional hearing aids and going a PSAP route. And it's kind of a unique product. Have you ever heard of I Hear, I-H-E-A-R? No, I haven't. So I Hear is a hearing aid that is FDA approved, and you go through a test 
to uh, get the right hearing aid for you. And right now they're $399 an ear for the hearing aids. And the FDA approved home hearing, what they call hearing screener, is $69. So you do your at home. Sorry? I've not heard of that. Yeah, so you do your at home hearing test. Mm-hmm. And then you're you're then in a position to get the now three ninety nine an ear hearing aids, and let me give the exact website, okay? Beautiful, thank you. The letter I here h e a r medical dot com. I hear medical dot com. Great. And the other change that's happened in the marketplace is both Costco Wholesale and Sam's Club now are offering much cheaper hearing aids than are generally offered in the industry. And I don't, are you a member of either of the warehouse clubs? I've, I've actually been to Costco and had my hearing tested about a year ago. Well, they're selling a pair right now. I'm trying to remember. Is it $16.99, $14.99? For Kirkland Signature, Kirkland Signature private label hearing aids. Okay, okay, you got to hear this. Remember, I said sixteen ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine. If you average those two together, what would it be? Fifteen ninety nine. That's what the price is. (laughs) Okay, all right. But um, a lot of people have tried the I Hear Medical and done the pair for eight hundred dollars and been very happy. I certainly will look into that one. I haven't uh, haven't heard of that before. And if you ever want to check out the PSAPs, one of the easiest places to find those are at hunter's stores. Outdoor stores tend to sell a lot of PSAPs for hunters that are trying to hear uh, animals that they're um, on the prowl for. And so the PSAPs enhance their hearing in ways very similar to a hearing aid. But again, although people use them as a hearing aid, they are not technically in the United States considered to be one. One of the ugliest things today in consumer marketing are free trial offers. Think about how often you'll be watching bad television and there'll be an ad for some miracle product that you can try on a free trial And have you ever noticed if you take the bait for that and you call in or you go on the internet, you have to put in a credit card number, a debit card number, or checking account number to activate your free trial or whatever product it is. And then what happens? No matter what you do, you end up getting billed for that product. It's become a massive hassle for credit card companies. So much so that MasterCard has issued a new policy that you are not on the hook for charges moving forward from a free trial unless you actively say yes after the free trial of a product, you want to buy more of it. This is long overdue. And I think about over time, how many different complaints have come into our off-air center, the Consumer Action Center, from people 
who've gotten ripped off on free trials. Know that when you see those ads, you cannot believe them. The truth is not in them. The claims about the products almost never are valid anyway. And when they tell you that it's a free trial, if they also ask you for a form of payment, you know trouble is coming. Also, be very careful at any store where at the register you're asked if you would like to have a trial subscription to any magazines. Say no and say no emphatically. You do not want the stinking free trial for the magazines that are then going to bill you hundreds of dollars before you know it for the magazines you don't even really want. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. When you're looking for consumer advice, we got it for you at Clark.com. So consumer advice, financial advice, knowing how to handle money, personal finance. It's something that a lot of parents are aching for schools to do with their kids. And now in a number of states... There are laws in place that require, as a graduation requirement, that high schoolers take personal finance and be able to pass the course tests in order to be able to graduate. So Alabama, Virginia, Tennessee, Utah, and Missouri require that as a graduation requirement. And now New Jersey is going to start requiring it in middle schools. There's a new bill in South Carolina to require high schoolers in order to graduate to take a personal finance class. And this is all a natural reaction to the financial difficulties that people in their 20s and 30s are having across the United States. It's been a very difficult time for people who are younger, particularly those who came of age in the aftermath of the Great Recession, it was hard to find and keep a good job just like their elders had a tough time. And there's a lot of debt out there and a lot of delayed desires like to own homes and things like that. And so as a natural react, the Uh, the legislatures around the country are doing something that reflects how parents are feeling, that money feels out of control in their lives and they want to make sure it's not in their kids' lives. But I want to tell you, it's like with your kids about the birds and the bees. One talk doesn't get it done. It's an ongoing conversation. And one course requirement in school is not going to get it done with how to handle money. It needs to be an ongoing conversation that you have with your children as a parent. And there are going to be times that you're going to be embarrassed about it because you may have some guilt that you haven't handled money exactly like you would be proud of at various times in your life. But we are all on a journey in life, and we get better at things over time if we put our minds to it. And better for your kids 
to learn in your school as well as the high school or middle school instead of only in the school of hard knocks. Uh, one example that I've given in the last couple of years is that younger siblings, having seen the hardship that older siblings who went to college have faced from student loan debt, are being much more careful with taking on student loan debt, making different choices potentially with college. That's like a blend of school of hard knocks for the older sibling and school for the younger sibling learning from the example of what happened to the older one. So there's actually a lot of good teaching about money, even if the result for a family member has not been good, to use the experience to share with a younger one. And one thing I think you need to do is use the time in a kid's life if you do allowances in your household or money for chores or whatever it is, that that is the point at which teaching moments become really important. I mean, you think about in my household, my kids, if anything, heard too much about this stuff because it's just what I think about what I do. But my kids knew how to price shop in a supermarket before they were out of third grade. They knew how to do unit pricing. They knew how to comparison shop. And so age appropriate, there's so much you can teach. One of the key moments to teach, though, is with a teenager when he or she gets their first real job with a real paycheck. And that's when you really need to drive home the message before they have all the financial obligations that come with being an adult. That's when you really need to teach the idea of living on less than what you make, putting money aside and saving it, and teaching the ways to save. Sometimes, truth be told, it'll require that you develop some knowledge about some of the things that you would want them to understand about maybe establishing their first Roth IRA or opening a high-interest savings account or whatever it is. Do not, we expect the schools to do everything. Do not expect that you can outsource teaching your kids about money to a school. I'm thrilled that schools are incorporating in different ways personal finance curriculum. But it's up to you to have that ongoing conversation and to make what they might learn in a classroom real in their own lives age appropriate. Remember, as a parent, we have so many responsibilities with our children. And this is one that was not part of parenting for most of American history. But today, the complexity of the decisions we have to make, even as a young adult, are so much greater than they used to be. That's why this is now part of being a parent. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, John. Hi, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, John. You had something happen in your household you want to make sure you warn your fellow listener about. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, we uh, we had a trip plan and we were changing our tickets, and my wife looked up uh, just on the internet the uh, phone number to change the tickets for the uh, airline, <clears throat> and we knew there was no uh, no fees to change your tickets, so it was an upgrade or whatever. Um, so she calls the number and, and gets a uh, foreign-speaking woman and doesn't identify herself as the airline and <clears throat> starts telling her what, what the cost was going to be. It was going to be um, another an extra $100 per ticket plus the upgrade um, to change everything. So while she was doing that, she realized that she wasn't actually talking to the airline, but a uh, like a brokerage or a second, you know, a, a second type of booking company. Um, they had all of our information, had our uh, confirmation number, flight numbers, everything. And uh, so while she was talking to them on the phone, she looked up the airline's number on their webpage and realized that she dialed a different number and hung up and dialed the airline, and, and we were only charged the upgrade for the tickets and, and not the uh, $100 handling fee per ticket. So this that you're describing is happening very heavily right now in the hotel industry, and the airline industry. And so if you just do a Google search for, let's say, blah, 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 hotel chain, Philadelphia, or whatever, and you're looking for a particular place, and you just put in that search, you will get result after result that impersonate being the hotel, but aren't the hotel at all. And the same thing is happening with airlines. So what I... I'm so glad you said exactly the right remedy, and that is that you go only to the website, in your case with the airline, there are so few airlines in the United States, it's really easy with the airlines, you just go to one of the, what do we have, 11 airlines in the U.S.? You just go to one of their websites, and there you'll find absolutely the right contact number, just as your wife found her way to. Hotels are a lot more complicated, though, John, because you have hotel chains and some individual locations actually will have their own individual location website. But what I've recommended with the hotels is that you always start at the hotel chain's main website and then search your way back to, if you want to talk to a location, through the search in the hotel's main site. Till you get there because right. what's happening with a lot of these phonies is they get your credit card number and it's not just the hundred dollar junk fee they were going to charge to your wife it's all the other charges they might put through on your credit card once they had the number right right that's what we we're afraid of think about so this was probably southwest since you said there was no change fee right that's exactly what it was so think about any other airline where it's common you have a $200 change fee. It might have been a situation where somebody wouldn't even be tipped off they got ripped off till after the fact when they'd show up at the airport and they say, we don't know anything about you changing your flight. <laughs> right, that would be, be pretty bad. So I really appreciate you sharing the story. And uh, you don't know how many people you've just helped. So I'm grateful to you for doing that, and I'm glad that your wife was savvy enough to realize this didn't add up, hung up, and started over. Marsha's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Marsha. Hi. How are you doing? 
Good. Um, I have some questions about an Airbnb. I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I've never stayed at one, and um, my family, and we're all going to New York in November. And um, we're looking at Airbnb so we could all stay together. Um, it seemed like it was a better deal than staying in hotels at that time. And I just didn't know, since I've never stayed in one, and it is so far away because I'm in Florida, um, what do you do? You, do you get what you expect? I mean, it says... Not always. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> do you always, I mean, get what they say? Or is it something you just kind of like hope it's going to be okay? And do you trust it? No. So let me tell you how I play the Airbnb game. Okay. All right. So... You could have a property that has a lot of pictures posted, and that's key, and right. a ton of reviews. Right. But you want to really read through those reviews because on Airbnb, there are people who are a lot of times really budget travelers, and what they are expecting from a property may not be exactly at the level you are expecting. Right. So uh, that's where looking particularly at the pictures of the bathroom, looking at the pictures of the bedroom or bedrooms, you're really starting to get a sense that uh, the reviews you're seeing are useful for you. If a place is really, really spartan and you're fine with that, you're just looking for a clean, safe place to go, then you tie that into the reviews. On the other hand, if you like... Uh, places that are fairly luxurious, then the pictures tied in with the views will guide you pretty well as well. So if you see uh, real elegance in the property and the reviews are many and very positive, then you're likely to be okay. Now, let me tell you where you can get burned on Airbnb. Okay. If anybody says, don't pay through Airbnb, we'll give you a lower price if you pay us direct in some way, that's when you're going to get scammed. Right. Okay. So you... So trust the Airbnb. Yes, trust the Airbnb platform. Okay. They're asking for a, um, like half of it up front now. Is that common? Uh, it each Airbnb property is able to set the policy they wish on whether um, cancellations are strict, cancellations are permitted, under what rules they're permitted, what money you have to pay up front, and if it makes you nervous having to pay so much up front, look at other properties that have a more generous policy for when you pay and what your rights are. Okay. Okay. And, you know, when you talk about New York, there are a zillion properties listed. Yes. So just we, be patient. I've been looking through them and over and over, and it seems like, oh, you know, then this one looks good, this one looks good. I'm just, I'm just so worried because it's over Thanksgiving that we're going that things will get booked up, so we're trying to do it early. Um, yeah. I mean, you're a long you way from Thanksgiving. You are an extreme planner. You know, I'll realize... Three days before I'm going somewhere. Oh no, I forgot to book a place to sleep. So I'm, I'm well, way too so cavalier and casual about it. So it's it's early, but we still have time. Yeah, you got I'm time. Things will get booked up. 
<laughs> no, I mean, Thanksgiving's a very busy time in New York, but I wouldn't feel that here at the very beginning of 2019, you need to be booking 10 months out. Okay, okay. But take your time really reviewing the properties. And if you do book this far out, book a property that, you know, life happens between now and Thanksgiving. Book a property yeah. where you have cancellation rights up to a reasonable reasonable period of time before the actual trip takes place. Right, right. And in that case, you know, available. if you have a property that has uh, full cancellation available to a certain date, and you sound like you are a real planner and you want everything in its place, go ahead and make your best guess booking a place, knowing that if your plans change or something happens in your life, you have a way out without your wallet getting hurt. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask, and you'll be on the air, or Joel might ask your question for you. Yeah, Clark, and Susan wrote in. She says, do you have any advice for people wanting to get out of a timeshare? Ugh. Ugh. You know, one of the most difficult questions I've been asked since I went on the air in the mid-'80s is how to get out of a timeshare. It is brutally difficult. One thing I recommend to you is to go to the Timeshare Users Group, Tug, T-U-G, the number 2.net, Tug2.net, and there you can go read forums on your individual property, see if anybody's interested in buying your unit week, and other suggestions people have where people who own a Timeshare where you are helping each other. Um, other than that, Vacatia, V-A-C-A-T-I-A, you can sign up for free to list your timeshare for sale. No games, no gimmicks. You may have people call you that are trying to scam you if you list at Vacatia, but Vacatia itself is completely on the up and up. So with a timeshare, it is a defective product. No matter how much, if you have a timeshare and you love it, they are a defective product because anything you buy that's basically impossible to sell is not by itself a legitimate product or offering. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.